as has already been stated in one form or another, probably the, the question of the season, the question of the year, as with every two to four years, is a simple question, who are you voting for? Who are you voting for? You see yard signs, and as we get closer to the day, we get names littered along the streets of people that someone has said, I'm voting for this person. As you're driving down the road, you see bumper stickers. Uh, Some are more aggressive than others. People saying who they're voting for. And I kind of wonder, has a bumper sticker ever changed anyone's mind? Somebody say, I just saw that bumper sticker. I really think I'm going to vote differently. Of course, in, in all things 2020, there had to be something new and a little bit unusual. Perhaps you've seen face masks telling the world who you're voting for. Who are you voting for? Some of you have masks that say, who are you voting for? I know that my brother Raymond Williams is, seems to be voting for the Dallas Cowboys. Seems to be a bit of a throwaway vote there, but you know, it's up to him. That's a, that's a question of the year. It's a question of the season. It's who are you voting for? And of course, the best ones, the ones we all love, is, is you get that little notification and you get the text message asking you, who are you voting for? Who are you supporting? Oh, you should vote for this person because of this. You should vote for this person because of this. And, and in the midst of everyone asking you and thinking and, and the discussion being centered around who are you voting for, I want to gear things just a little bit differently this morning. I don't want you to think about who are you voting for. I want you to ask yourself what are you voting for. And let's think about that in a biblical way. Your Christianity, as much as we love the phrase separate and apart from, your Christianity is not separate and apart from your civics, your citizenship. You have citizenship in a heavenly kingdom, and you also have citizenship in an earthly kingdom. And certainly the heavenly kingdom is greater and far more lasting. But even the Apostle Paul, when he was doing missionary work, when it was to an advantage, he claimed his Roman citizenship, didn't he? Your faith doesn't cease when you cast your vote. And when you cast your vote, whether you've done it already or whether you'll do it on Tuesday, your vote should reflect your values as a Christian. I think it's kind of pointless to tell you who to vote for. Because I really don't think this election or any election should be about personality. Or about party. We're not voting on who has the best personality. This isn't really a personality contest. So, this Tuesday, I want to challenge you. Instead of voting for personality or party, I want you to vote.
for policy. Because policy has more lasting implications. Policy will have an effect not just on us today, but on generations to come. Of course, you say, well, that's easy. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different policies to vote for and vote on. Foreign policy and immigration policy and tax policy and economic policy. And this morning, I want, you to, I want to just make it really simple and boil it down to two. Two policies that I think have the utmost importance for the Christian. The first is, I want you to vote for life. And this is specifically if you're a Christ follower, God-fearing person. And we have people who are not Christ followers who watch us and people who are not God-fearing people who I'm sure we'll see or hear this later. And so this is a little bit outside of, of you know, may not hit you square in the head, but, but I'm aiming for your heart if you're a Christ follower. We live in a world that is not full of angels. And so we require government to keep us from anarchy. Uh, uh, tax policy on your Halloween candy notwithstanding. Government has an effect on our lives. Somebody once said, the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. Government does a lot of things in our world. But chief among those, and this is absolutely biblical, is that government's function is to protect innocent life. That's why we have a military, to protect us from external threats, enemies. Remember in that part when our officials were and they, they agree to protect us from enemies both foreign and domestic, both external and internal. We have police officers and National Guard to help and to protect innocent life internally. Now, in the matter of life, there is a sad fact, and that is that some people never get the chance to live. They're cruelly murdered before their lungs take in a single molecule of air. And in some cases, as we found out, their tiny human body parts are sold to the highest bidder. There are some leaders who not only are for the killing of the innocent, and not even as far up to in, into the uh, uh, pregnancy as possible, but, but even recently we've learned there are some, I believe it was the governor of Virginia who said, there was an unwanted baby that was born and that managed to survive that. What would you do? And he said, well, we'd have to have a conversation. Pa- pardon me? A conversation about what? That baby has the right to life. According to worldmeters.info, 35 million babies have been aborted in this world, and that is just in 2020. Put that in perspective, this year over 1 million people have died from COVID. And the world has lost its mind. And we are shutting down everything. For a disease that has killed one million. I'm not belittling the one million. Those are very real things. I'm just trying to give you some perspective here. We have a choice that people are choosing to murder 35 times that number. And the world is silent. 
Just in our country, there are over 3,000 abortions per day, 125 per hour. Two babies made in the image of God will be slaughtered each and every minute. 62 babies in the time that it takes to preach this sermon. I hope that makes you uncomfortable. It should. We should weep for that. If talking about abortion makes you uncomfortable, that's a good thing. That means you're a human being. That you have a conscience. That you understand that all human life is precious to God and made in God's image. See little Savannah over there. She's so cute and adorable. She's made in God's image. She has the right to life and, and to play on her mommy's lap. She has the right, and every child has that right, and no one should be disavowed that right. You see, no other policy issue matters if life does not matter. If life doesn't matter to you, what is the point of debating tax policy and health care policy and immigration policy or any other policy? There was an article shared on Facebook. I know it made the rounds. I know a few people of our people saw it and read it. And the article was, the author was saying, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and, but here's the reasons why I'm voting for the, the presidential candidate who's pro-abortion. The author of the article made the case that Christians should vote because this candidate... Of his policy has great policies on health care and tax policy and empowering the poor and environmentalism and social justice and COVID nineteen and immigration and international leadership and all of that. Did you notice there was one policy that was kind of missing among that list? One policy that this person could not make the argument for. Life. You see, that's a problem. Because all other policies are secondary to the policy on life. All the other policies, whatever they are, and wherever you find yourself on the spectrum, have this in common. They are concerns of the living. It is the living who worry about those matters. People who made it out of the womb argue about those things. But if the right to life does not matter, then may I boldly say no other issue matters. It's easy to sit arrogantly on the high ground of today and judge through a 2020 lens the sins of yesterday. Every generation does this. The present always judges the sins of the past. I would have punched that Nazi. I would have stood up against it. Listen to the science. In 2020, we can see babies in 3D. We can see babies in the womb on video. I, one of my Facebook friends shared that uh, their announcement of pregnancy, and they, he said, I, I know he's mine because the little baby's holding up a thumb. Let me ask you a question. How many of you who are parents in here got a ultrasound picture of your child or a, a, a 3D video of your child before they were born? Raise your hand. 
lots of people. It may have not been very common in 1973, but in 2020, we don't have any excuse. We can operate on babies while they're in the womb. We know they can see light and they can hear sound and they can even feel pain. And this we know, abortion is gruesome, barbaric, and vile. You can agree with me, but that has consequences when you vote. You need to think about that. You may agree with that, but I ask you to the person that have the policy of agreeing with you on that. That you vote for the policy of life. Isaiah the prophet said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. A day is coming, and you can rest assured, when future generations will sit in judgment on us here today. Maybe in 2120. And they will say, where were we when 3,000 babies were killed every single day? Where were our voices and where were our votes? Where was the church? Where was the kingdom of God? Where were our votes to stand for the innocent? Proverbs 24. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we didn't know this. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know know it? He will repay each man according to his work. You may have have had an excuse in 1973. I doubt it, but I'll be generous and say that you might have. But in 2020, there is no excuse to support abortion, or to support those who support abortion. Why does this matter? You see, all countries have leaders, but few citizens actually have a voice in who their leaders are. Isn't that strange? You and I take that for granted. You and I are going to get... I mean, I've already, personally, I've already voted. You know why I did that? Because I knew the line was going to be so long on Tuesday. I am so soft and so spoiled. Oh, when, when, when I get to exercise my right to select my leaders. We take that for granted. There are, are countries and citizens all around the world watching what we will do because they don't have that right. This is an unusual right in our time or in any time. You think about this. Pharaoh and Herod were leaders of their nations By the way, they were technically pro-choice. And their subjects had no say in the matter. They slaughtered thousands of babies. And all the subjects could do was weep. Could you imagine telling those people that, that there will come a day that a certain country will have citizens and they have a say in who they elect to lead them? See, we do. And because we have a vote comes down to a stewardship issue. We have a great responsibility. We have a great responsibility to choose leaders, not on personality, don't be so shallow, but on policy. And chief among these policies is life. 
Well, I don't like this man. His skin is orange and his tweets are mean and he's very uncouth and he makes me feel bad. I see. But what was his policy on life? That, as you might say, is huge. And what was the other guy's policy on life? And which one did you support with your vote? I found it interesting that just a little over a month ago, our current president issued an executive order protecting newborn and infant children born alive. I never thought you'd have to issue an executive order to do that on a federal level. You might say, well, I... I, I just don't like him. I, I just don't like him. He's, he's creepy. He's sleepy. I think he's suffering from dementia. Okay, but come on, man. What is his policy on life? You see, it's so easy to get distracted. But when you are voting on inconsequential matters of personality over the weightier matters of policy, you're being a poor steward of your citizenship. And I'm sorry if that's hard to hear, but you need to think deeper than personality. And some will say, well, you Christians, you're not pro-life, you're just pro-birth. You don't care about all those kids who are born into poverty and terrible, awful circumstances. Factually, factually untrue. Christians and churches are chief among the highest percentage of people who adopt and foster. Now, you don't see atheist groups getting out and doing that. You you look at the the, the countless numbers of faith-based ministries that care for the poor and the neglected and abused. But, But let's put all that aside for just a second. Let's put all of that aside. Your answer is that if a child could potentially born, be born into hardship, then you have the right to keep them from, from even having a shot at life? In your prejudice, you as a living person prejudge those who have or don't have the right to life? You arrogantly presume they don't even deserve a shot? No, 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 I, 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 I'm definitely, I'm, I'm pro-life all the way. I just don't like this guy. I don't like, listen. You've got to focus on policy, not personality. Christians should be pro-life. As a famous quote once ago, attributed to Ronald Reagan, I've never noticed, I've noticed that everyone who is for abortion has already been born. Life, life is a chief concern for the living. Think, think of some of the issues of 20, 2020. You had all these slogans thrown out. Black lives matter and blue lives matter and all lives matter. You notice a theme here without picking a side. Just you notice a theme that in all of those slogans, everyone agrees on the fundamental that life matters. Whether we want to agree with it or, or admit to it or not, life is the policy of first importance. It's the policy from which all others stem. Think for just a second about the, the, the Black Lives Matter. Okay? You can't say, in my mind, you can't say that you, and I'm not talking about the political movement, I'm talking about the, the idea 
that people of a certain color matter, that is certainly true. Now, if you say you care about that, how can you support pro-abortion candidates? Did you know Planned Parenthood was a eugenics operation? It's true. You look it up. Look it up. The founder, Margaret Sanger, hated black lives. Hated them. An avowed racist. It, it was formed to decimate the black community. And arguably, it has done so. It has decimated. There were over a thousand little precious black babies that are murdered every single day in America in 2020. And the media is silent on those black lives. You say, well, that was then. I mean, we, you know, it was a bad history and all that. But listen, look at it today. Look where Planned Parenthood puts its clinics. Look where they're placed, largely in the communities of the poor and the minorities. Planned Parenthood is the most systemically racist operation I know of, and yet some Christians who would, be claim, who would claim to be for black lives will support leaders who support using your tax dollars to fund such genocide. Proverbs 14.34 Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. When it comes to policy, Scripture is clear. God is pro-life. The Bible could not be more transparent on this issue. Every human being is made in the image of God. And every human being deserves the right to have a shot at life. Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God is life. He is the author of life. His son came to give us eternal life. In John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life. And that they might have life abundant. Abortion stops a beating heart. Abortion stops what God started. You think about that. Wherever it happens, whenever it happens, when God starts that heart beating, boom, 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 boom. You remember that time you heard your child's heart beat for the very first time? Boom, 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 boom. And abortion stops that. Proverbs chapter 8. For whoever finds me finds life, whoever obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. And this is interesting to me. The last phrase, all those who hate me love death. Psalm 127, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. The Catherines are celebrating the, the news of their first grandchild, which is so exciting. And I went up last Sunday and told them both congratulations. Because it should be celebrated. Because life is a gift to be celebrated. It's a reward from the Lord. Everyone has a right to life. No living person has the right to preemptively choose for another. The choice 
if there is one, belongs to God. Proverbs chapter 6, there are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Christians should always stand on the side of life. Life on earth and life eternal. Always. We're pro-life and pro-adoption and pro-fostering. We should be forever be the shelter in the storm for children. A safe haven for the little children, both pre-born and born. From a world that will seek from the moment before they are born to steal and kill and destroy them. You should never, as a Christian, I, I just it's just inexcusable to me. There is no reason for it to support any candidate that supports abortion. You got to know where the te- where the the candidates stand on taxpayer funded abortion, late term abortion, and even babies that survive abortion. And and by the way, if you have no idea, and you think I'm just talking about Trump and Biden, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, there are so many elections. Uh, I got this little handout. Actually, I took it into the booth with me, and it says from from president all the way down to city council where all the candidates stand on and which ones stand for life. If you have no idea, I mean, it even talks about judges and, and county offices and county commissioners, county clerks and all that right here on a handy list. I took this into the voting booth with me and used it to vote for every single one. I'm voting on policy, not personality. I'm voting on policy, not party. I'm voting for the value that is most important to God. If you need one of those handouts, you say, that's that's helpful for you, Levering. I put some copies out in the foyer. They'll be by the doors and you can get them on your way out. We are called both to choose life and to stand with those who do. In fact, one of our, uh, our very own members here at Northside, Renee Erickson, is actually on that list Uh, She's running for office, and she stands for life. And I'm so grateful that she does, and I'm thankful for others like her who stand for life. God's people need to stand for life. God's people has had a choice as they stood on the precipice of the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 30, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, and I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. May we always vote for life and may we choose it. May we stand behind those who stand up. May we be the voice for those that have no voice. Number two, we should vote for liberty. And liberty doesn't mean just doing what you want. That's not what I mean at all. We've seen a multitude of governments trying to over, overreach and encroach on religious liberty in 2020. And make no mistake, this battle is coming. People are being arrested for gathering together to freely exercise their religion. Not just in California, which we might expect. 
Thankfully, there's no one on, from California running for any major office. But in places like Moscow, Idaho, of all places, where Christians were arrested, this is recently, for peaceably assembling outside to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. That seems so crazy. I can never again judge anyone for their cell phone going off. Does that seem crazy to you? Does that seem so bizarro world that in Idaho there are police officers arresting worshipers who are worshiping outside? That seems crazy to me. It hits closer to home. Earlier this year, our governor, our own governor here in the state of Kansas, she sought to completely shut down churches. If she'd had her way, we wouldn't have been meeting at all. Thankfully, she was stopped. But the next time the governor runs for re-election, you better remember where she stands on your religious liberty. Oh, but I like her because my union told me to vote for her, and I like her because she's nice, and I like her personality. All of that is secondary. What happens if you elect someone and they say, no more, churches, we're cutting it all off? Might be coming. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do, not let us, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We're called to be free. God wants us to be free, but we've got to want that too. I would think that's like, Richard Martin would be terribly offended to watch a nation that he fought for, put his life on the line for, and others put their lives on the line for, and watch a generation give those freedoms away. That should offend you on a spiritual level. Because it is. Christ's followers are called to submit to their leaders. That's true. And obey the laws they set forth, and that's true. But there's one exception, and that is this. When our submission, our submission to the Savior must always be greater than our submission to the state. And I won't say this often, but if there comes an order that prohibits you from worshiping, I hope you worship anyway. The church exists outside the authority of the state. We see churches in communist China, and what do they do? They worship anyway. They're forbidden to gather and meet long before COVID, and they gather and meet anyway. We have to decide which authority will come first, God or Caesar. When the government orders us to stop doing what God has commanded us to do, our reply must be like Peter and the apostles. We must obey God rather than men. First Peter 
Chapter 2, Peter says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. But keep them in the right order. 1 Timothy 2, First of all then, I urge that all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving made for all people. That's part of why we're doing this this morning. We're praying for kings and for all those who are in high positions that we may live a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. In California, maybe you've heard the story of uh, uh, Grace Community Church. And the headlines were, there's a COVID outbreak, there's a COVID outbreak. You know how many people with COVID there were? There were three people. And for that, California is trying to shut it down. The governor of California now wants to limit how they can celebrate Thanksgiving with the number of people and wearing masks and how they assemble to gather outside. If the government can do that much, you should be afraid. We should vote for religious liberty. We should choose leaders that will allow us to live peaceful, quiet, godly lives. And make no mistake, the leaders we elect make a difference in how that will play out. Will the leaders you choose allow you to worship freely? Will the leaders you choose allow you to practice your faith and your values freely? Will you have the freedom to make that choice? Or will you elect leaders that will be the nanny state coming to dictate to you where and when and how you may or may not worship the living God? Well, this Tuesday, you have a choice. From the president to the city council, I hope you will not vote on personality. I hope you've ignored all of the red herrings that have been thrown up in this election cycle, but I hope you will vote on policy. This Tuesday, while everyone else focuses on who you're voting for, I want you to remember what you're voting for. This Tuesday, I pray that you and all God-fearing people will choose leaders who stand for life and liberty. Let's bow and pray before the next song. Father in heaven, 2020 has been a weird year, but I believe that you are sovereign in all of it. And I believe you have raised up us for such a time as this. May we stand firm May we who have the ability to choose, choose leaders who stand for life and liberty. Father, remember the faithful remnant in this country. We know there are many parts that have gone to the darkness, but we pray for those who have not, who have not bowed their knee to Caesar and who are are striving toward the light and to share the light and to live the light. Father, we pray that we will elect people who will allow us to live peaceful, quiet, godly, dignified lives in every way. Father, may we focus our hearts and our minds on the policies that matter. 
and may we vote on the policies in the right order that matter most to you. Father, thank you for giving us life. Not just life on earth, but life eternal through your Son. And thank you for giving us liberty from sin and from the consequences of that sin. Thank you for rescuing us, Father. You are a good, good God. And we worship and praise you. We pray that you'll hear our prayers this morning. And that no matter what, we will serve you faithfully as Christ did. We pray this in his holy name. Amen.